The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good Thursday, everybody. Good morning, whenever the hell you're listening to this thing. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And as always, I start a pod by telling you where you can find me, and that is one spot and one spot only. Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you Google search Dan from Hoopball, it'll pop right up there, third search result. I've done it myself because I am a violent narcissist when it comes to my Twitter profile, so you can find me there. Please do give me a follow. This is a Hoopball presentation. You can follow Hoopball on Twitter at HoopballFantasy or go to Hoop-Ball.com and check out all the good stuff over there, which I am going to be ramming down your throat today. I haven't done that in a little while. I've mostly talked about uh, ExpressVPN and MyBookie and Manscaped, our three partners on the show, but I haven't told you about Hoopball's premium stuff lately. That's on me. I'm slacking. So that's coming... At some point, spring it on you in the middle of the show. It's a normal Thursday show. We got a pretty eh, medium-sized Wednesday to recap. A couple of games where I thought uh, a few things jumped out at me. But overall, we've hit, I don't call it a lull necessarily, but when we talk about the, the look-aheads, basically when we're doing these podcasts, I'm like, here's what I'm watching for on tonight's ball games," And I go through it pretty quick. It's because there's really only, you know, let's see, what uh, nine-game Wednesday. There were like four out of the 18 teams that I was really laser-focused on to see a few key things and how they shook out in this current climate where, you know, two weeks ago, we had about five or six centers that we were keeping tabs on and a couple of streamers with benefits, as we like to call that now on the podcast, that... Those guys were emerging. There's a few, there's a handful of them happening right now, but it is very much. We, we've we've also talked about the ebbs and the flows of the long fantasy season. You got to stay locked in, even when a lot of names aren't popping up, because then you're going to be first in line when they do. But let's just jump on in. No sense giving this vague overview of what Wednesday brought. We we can just talk about it. The Warriors. They are extraordinarily predictable at this point. Steph Curry. Draymond Green, who's uh, rekindled his long-lost fire minus the three-point shot, but who cares at this point? He's been very good lately. James Wiseman, not fantasy-relevant. None of their other... I, you know, Draymond Green, to me, is their center, but he's technically playing power forward, so none of their other centers are fantasy-relevant. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has tapered off a little bit overall. He's been decent enough this year. Kelly Oubre has improved after a very bad start. He's now inside the top 100. We always knew he was going to get there at some point. And Wiggins has settled just outside the top 100, largely because his free throw shooting is very bad at 68% on the year. And his other stuff isn't really floating it. Defensively, he's been quite good, but that hasn't been enough. On the Indiana side, team that's been well-rested and... Really, they should be a little bit ashamed of themselves. 19 turnovers in this game, tons of free throws in this one, and just not good shooting. They only hit seven three-pointers. Warriors only hit five. They were coming in off a tough one against the Knicks at MSG. They had to travel. Pacers, 
you know, the, the rust versus rest discussion we had yesterday, which to this point, it actually tipped pretty hard in the rest direction. We finally got an example of the rust iteration of it. Indy had all these wide open shots early in the ball game, and they were back rimming all of them. Just a little overclocked. Shot 46% as a team, but that was, that was they're mostly being carried in that regard by Demonis Sabonis and uh, TJ McConnell, who came out of his long layoff here with all the energy in the universe, and so you can keep streaming that. I do want to highlight Jeremy Lamb on this team because in this very weird, twisted universe, he's been passed by Doug McDermott. And I also don't want to read too much into the McDermott stuff because this is all kind of placeholding until TJ Warren comes back. But lately... Fantasy is very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of thing. Over the entire season, Jeremy Lamb has been uh, plenty decent. Like, I think he was, uh, was he, he was 60-something in the 60s coming into that ball game, and then he had a really poor one, so that dropped him to 72. 72 is good. 72 is quite good, actually. But And, and this always worried me a little bit. The 24 and change minutes per ball game, we always kind of needed to be more like 26 or 27. And... His actual numbers don't really jump off the page. What does is that he's shooting 51% from the field and 93% at the free throw line, which are both outstanding, but also probably long-term unsustainable. Jeremy Lamb's a career 45%er from the field, 85 at the free throw line. So it's possible he could be having, you know, just have a really good season and go 90% at the foul line. So fine, let's accept Let's accept, hypothetically, that the free throw number sticks. His other stuff is not that far out of line with what he would normally do in 24 and some odd minutes per ballgame. In fact, if you go back to his uh, penultimate season in Charlotte, he played almost the exact same minutes he's playing in Indy right now, shot 46% from the field and averaged 13 and 4 with just under a steal and about half a block. This year, he's at... 12 and 4 and change rebounds with just under a steal and half a block. A little bit better three-pointer number, but some of that is just the very high percentage he's shooting from everywhere. So I'm a little bit concerned here that Jeremy Lamb is trending down. Not enough to make the drop here overnight, but this was a bad one. His minutes weren't very good here. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the rebounding or what, they seem to prefer McDermott here, at least in the short term. And Justin Holiday is not giving up his grip on that shooting guard gig, probably until Karis LeVert comes back. Although, you can see some of these guys, guys all kind of get mushed into the same bucket. Forget for a minute the obvious plays on this team, which lately does include TJ McConnell. He's been more than good enough as the backup point guard slash hustle guy, big-time steals assist, that kind of thing. So he's in. Uh, McDermott is out, unless you're in a deep league. I know he's seeing the minutes, and he's he's actually getting the shot attempts, which is not for nothing here. Uh, but lately, the Jeremy Lamb thing hasn't been very good. He's outside the top 140 in his last five ball games, despite still having good percentages, just because he hasn't really done that much. And maybe the aggression still comes around at some point, but the field goal attempts being as low as they are this year is a point of concern for me. I'd drop him before I'd drop like a, like a Ricky Rubio right now, just as a point of reference. There's 
The upside with Jeremy Lamb, we know there is upside there, especially with his percentages as good as they are, but he's trending the wrong way because the aggression has actually taken a step back, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, TJ Warren might be back within a month. Then all of these guys are screwed because he'll ramp himself up to presumably high 20s at least. It'll take some time coming off a, a big foot surgery, but... Yeah, there, there's a little bit of a writing-on-the-wall thing going on here. So anyway, keep an eye out because other guys are surfacing. Houston blown out again, this time by the generally hapless Cavaliers, who have now won two ball games in a row, thanks to a whopper from Jared Allen. And, you know, right when we heard that Andre Drummond was being shut down, what I typed on Twitter was, you need to go and overpay like crazy for Jared Allen. I said, overpay for crazy. I think... At that point, I said he could easily be inside the top 40 the rest of the way. Easily. And he's at 49 now and climbing. He has been a monster, and there's sort of nothing set to slow him down. He's number 40 over his last seven ball games on 19 points, 13 rebounds, 2.3 blocks per game. The only thing that's crushing him is that he's actually now kind of a high-volume free-throw shooter as a starter, and he's missing them. He's turned he's turned into Rudy Gobert, actually. I mean, he's not as good defensively as Rudy, but fantasy game-wise, his fantasy game looks a hell of a lot like Rudy Gobert's right now. So, yeah, it's too late to overpay for him. That's all done. Dylan Windler, again, saw some decent minutes. I'm not picking him up, but they're using him for his floor spacing, which the Cavs really need. They hit 16 threes again. That's a really good sign for them. Finally getting some of those long balls to drop. You can see Colin Sexton, they're telling him, you got to chuck the three. We need three points. Stop with the twos, unless you're going to get right to the rim, and he's hit three. I think he's had three threes in three of his last four games now. That sentence was not as hard to say as it seemed like it might have been. Torian Prince came back. Left in the third. Couldn't last an entire ball game. Womp womp. I'm hoping we see Nance and Love on the other side of the All-Star break. Cavs will still not be good, but at least they won't be so terribly awful. Houston side. Surprise starter Victor Oladipo played 32 minutes in his return from foot soreness, but it didn't really matter because they still got smoked, and they, you know, they need Christian Wood back. They need... A, a functional center on this team if they don't have James Harden anymore. Justin Patton played only 12 minutes. P.J. Tucker played 31 and legitimately did nothing. I mean, even by P.J. Tucker's standards, he has now fallen into a realm of disarray. The guys we've been watching are the, the wings. Jay Sean Tate was the one everybody grabbed, and I thought rightfully so because he was starting, so easy path there. David Nawaba only played 17 minutes in kind of a surprise twist in this ballgame, and it was actually Daniel House, the first guy we mentioned some three, four weeks ago, who ended up with a nice ballgame with 14 and 5, three assists, two threes, and three blocks. This again with Oladipo back. When Christian Wood comes back, he shoves P.J. Tucker and Jay Shante down a slot, and House probably goes back to the bench, at which point he likely is no longer fantasy relevant, but Certainly short-term-wise, maybe there's something there. I should also mention, we got news on Wednesday afternoon that Christian Wood, I believe his quote, I don't know if his doctors agree, he said he wants to play before the All-Star break. 
which we always had a little bit of an inkling when the Rockets were willing to cut Boogie with no other center really. Sorry, Justin Patton. With no other center really on the roster. You had to figure Wood wasn't that far off. I, I don't know why the, the uh, Celtics don't try something different with Trey Young. They have not budged. They've been, honestly, a bit stubborn with the way they played the Hawks this year, and now the Hawks have the season series at two games to one. A lot of it was Trey, but not all of it, because Gallo finally got hot, and I mean blindingly surface of the sun hot. He had 10 three-pointers, which I believe is a record for any player coming off the bench. I believe he also hit his first eight or nine in a row. Finished with 38 points, six boards, two steals. Easily the line of the night. And maybe this gets him going. You know, that we've been waiting on the Gallo game. Is this the one? Hopefully it's not just a flash in the pan. John Collins, by the way, good news there. Didn't have to miss any time after getting doinked in the head. No concussion. So he was able to come right back. Hawks actually look better with Tony Snell as their starting small forward over Cam Reddish. So they went to quiet, producing 3-and-D veteran, and it's worked out for them. Tony Snell, by the way, um, hasn't shot a free throw this year, and I believe he hasn't missed a free throw in two years, almost. Hadn't taken very many. I wouldn't call him a positive impact there, but not a negative. That's for damn sure. Hawks, by the way, and I know this is, uh, it's, it's a small thing, but they are better having Rajon Rondo healthy. Just someone to hold the basketball when Trey Young isn't on the floor. He takes them from a complete unmitigated disaster to just kind of bad in their second unit. Boston's flailing right now. I mean, really flailing. They are a hard fade, and maybe this is the game that wakes them up a little bit, but the Celtics are actually out of the playoffs right now. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're 15-17 and 17 on the year. They're tied with the Knicks and the Heat, technically, for the 8 seed. So I guess by that account, they're, you know, sort of in. Hawks are a game back. Magic are somehow just a game back of the Hawks. Wizards and Cavs, like, the only team in the East that's out are the Pistons. And the only reason I phrase it like that is because they're very clearly a team going into rebuild mode. They're, like, they've been... Qu- Extremely competitive for a 9-23 and basketball team. Pretty much any time they play a good team, they hang with them for usually all 48, although there have been a few times where they've sort of crumbled in the last three or four minutes. Uh, but with Dillon Wright going down and Blake Griffin on the trading block, they're, they're very much in a we're not really making a push for it this year kind of thing. The Cavs, I don't know what their plan was coming into this season, but they are 9-9 nine and nine at home at the very least. So they're one of those weird teams that's actually been fine in their home arena even without fans there. They're 3 and 12 on the road. Pretty substantial. That is something now to kind of take note of. Where a flip side of the coin, Pacers have actually been a lot better on the road than they have been at home. 7 and 10 at home, 8 and 5 on the road. They're kind of the only anomalous Eastern Conference team, at least in that particular category. Most teams are still at least some measure better at home. Philadelphia still way better at home than on the road. That was such a weird stat last year. It's not quite as pronounced because they're kind of a break-even road team now. 
Bucks haven't been very good on the road this year. They've been pretty good at home. What does the Western Conference look like in that regard? Is there are there any backwards teams out west? You usually find them kind of in the middle of the pack. Eh, not really. The Mavs last couple years have been better on the road than at home. This year they're a dead heat. Grizzlies have actually been better on the road. Thunder, better on the road. That's weird. Wolves, not great anywhere. Oh, they had a rough one. Let's get to let's get to that ball game here coming up in a second. Uh San Antonio, Oklahoma City first. Spurs, not that many warm bodies for this ballgame. They found enough to get through all 48 minutes, and they were competitive, largely thanks to DeJounte Murray, who had 27-9 and 6 with two steals. Patty Mills, Lonnie Walker the fourth, did most of the fill-in work for the uh, missing people. Well, that's I guess that's not fair. Jakob Pertl started at center. Trey Lyle started at power forward, but only played 26 minutes. LaMarcus Aldridge filled in a lot of those backup power forward minutes and some of the backup center minutes in his return from a hip injury, and he actually looked all right. Aldridge, 3 out of 10 shooting, 3 for 4 at the free throw line. That's not good for him. The 11 points, meh. Two three-pointers, that's cool. A steal and a block, that's all fine. The thing I liked about Aldridge in this game was the seven rebounds, which he's been allergic to rebounding and I I have to wonder if this hip thing or just various ailments pushing him away from the bucket and I know his rebounding was trending down last year anyway but it was non-existent this year he was rebounding like a shooting guard we don't know who's going to be back for San Antonio's next ball game so you can't really game plan but I was I would assume that Jakob Pertl is going to keep trucking and I would assume I'm not really going to be trusting most of these other guys outside of Murray. The OKC side, well, I mean, here's our thing. Theo Maladone, he's the guy that I really want to turn the corner and take that step. Because the other dudes, the Lou Dortz, the Darius Baisleys, there's just, there's nothing there. I don't know how many, like, a lot of you guys tried to ram Darius Baisley down my throat. And it wasn't working. He had 10 rebounds and nothing else in this ballgame. One of the weirdest 30 minutes performances that I have ever seen. 0 for 8 shooting, 10 rebounds, 2 turnovers. No assists, no steals, no blocks, no free throws, nothing else. Lou Dort, at least, he came closer in this ballgame. But the reason I've been hammering down on Maladone is that he's a backcourt guy. And so, you know, he and Shea are going to bring the ball into the front court pretty often. We've seen that Maladone is pretty good with swiping steals and pretty good at collecting three-pointers. So if you just sort of bungle your way into three or four assists and, and you know, Mr. Magoo your way into a couple of three-pointers a game, you can parlay that in fantasy value. Unfortunately, he played 35 minutes in this game and attempted five shots. Okay, fine. You can make a perfectly good argument for... Shea taking 20, and you can make it. I guess you can even make an argument for Horford taking 16, although I think you'd rather see him in a more of a facilitating role. But, you know, Mike Muscala taking more shots in only 17 minutes than Maladone did in 35, that's not going to work for me. Justin Jackson and Hamadou Diallo played 23 minutes together, 24, and attempted 12 shots. That's combined. Jackson 13, Diallo 11. They each took six. And again, Maladone, five in 35 minutes. So unfortunately, we probably have to move on from Maladone, even though he has an inside track to a 
full-time starting backcourt job with good steals and threes numbers, and he just he doesn't have the space to do anything with it. Minnesota got the uh, Jared Vanderbilt explosion game, which seems to come one every three or four, and unfortunately that's not enough for him to secure fantasy value. Otherwise, usual suspects here. Rubio, Beasley, Edwards, and Towns. Good to see Anthony Edwards. Didn't really catch fire in this ballgame. He shot just seven for 20, but uh, made three threes, hit all four of his free throws, nine rebounds, six assists, two steals. He did a lot of stuff to like in an overtime loss for Minnesota. The other side, Wendell Carter Jr., he's trucking right now. 17-10, and 10, four more defensive stats, even for good measure at a three-pointer. He's been wonderful since coming back from his quad contusion. Thaddeus Young, he was going to be around 24-ish minutes in this game in regulation, which is fine. That's enough for him with the way he fits on this team as a pass-first, orchestrating, steel monster power forward, so hang on there. Uh, Patrick Williams has been pretty good lately, too. This is his third or fourth decent ballgame in a row. Unfortunately, his usage is pretty low, which, you know, for a guy who doesn't have a lot of the peripheral stuff, that's going to make him tougher. But he's been inside the cut line lately, and then Garrett Temple played a ton of time again in this one, but just didn't really get involved. And that's why you can't trust Temple on a night-to-night basis outside of, you know, stream him on a back-to-back or something. Pistons were up for a lot of their game down in New Orleans, then ran out of gas late, as you'd expect for a shorthanded team on a back-to-back. Sadiq Bey slowed down a little bit. He was okay. He was uh, not special, but he was fine. Josh Jackson, actually a pretty good ball game here. I'll give credit where credit's due. He did not tank your percentages. Dennis Smith Jr. played 26 minutes, and he looked pretty good. Saban Lee played 22 as they continue their point guard timeshare, and Lee was decent as well. Uh, But what you're seeing here is, yes, you sort of got away with it, starting Lee in this ballgame, but if that dude's only getting 22 minutes in any ballgame, that's not a bet that I'm willing to take. Like, I don't think he's going to get three defensive stats in 22 minutes a night. He's probably not going to shoot 63%, five for eight most ballgames either. Jeremy uh, Jeremy Grant sat this one out as well. So Detroit went real heavy on the youth. And uh, not surprisingly, they they played hard and couldn't quite get over the hump. New Orleans side, no real notes on this ballgame. Good to see Steven Adams finally have a decent one. He's probably still rostered in your league, even though, honestly, he shouldn't be. He's number 145 with kind of no signs of uh excuse me he's he's 145 over the last two weeks he's actually 165 on the season in total as his free throw number has bottomed out i don't know what the hell happened there josh hart slowed down but he did still play 29 minutes and eric bledsoe uh he's been droppable since basically the third game of the season and it's probably time for you guys to cut the cord there and just shove along uh toronto lost in miami the stories in this ball game my guy Kelly, Kelly Olynyk played 32 minutes again, but just couldn't quite convert it. Seven points, seven boards, four assists, no defensive stats, and no three-pointers. The minutes are there. I, I can't really explain the rest. He's just sort of having uh, down numbers. If his percentages would settle back near a career norm, he'd be golden. Which means they probably still will. I just don't know how many of us have the patience to wait on it. Duncan Robinson, he's been heating up lately. Got himself... Uh, 17 points, four threes, two boards, two assists, and a steal. 
Overall on the year, he continues to sit well outside, but you have to consider the fact that he's been better lately. He's number 147 overall on the season, and it's really very much been a lately thing. Last week, excuse me, last two weeks, he's number 93 because he's shooting 47% from the field. That's all we needed. That was the turn. Top 65 over the last week, but that's very much a limited sample size. He's shooting 51% in that stretch. That was it. That's all we were waiting for. Well, let's see how long that thing holds up. Toronto side, uh, Raptors were generally healthy for this ball game. They went to the Pascal Siakam center start, and he just got ripped apart by Bam Adebayo, which allowed Norman Powell to log a ton of minutes as the starting small forward because then they moved some bodies around and, and Powell got to see some extra time. He was still okay, and you're certainly not moving on from Powell just because the team got healthy, but do remember that he he gets a bit marginalized when the other four, or really the the five starters are all there, and then he sort of gets slotted in here instead of, say, an Aaron Baines. Kendrick Nunn is the slowdown starting? I don't know. He still played twenty sorry 36 minutes in this ballgame. No Tyler Hero, though as Miami continues to miss at least one guy, like the Raptors, in basically every ballgame. Charlotte, big comeback win over Phoenix. Cody Zeller hurt his hip. Wouldn't that be the one? And he was actually playing okay in this ballgame. Not dominating, but he was solid. Had four boards, a couple of uh, blocks, a steal, ten points. And uh, down he goes. We know the Cody Zeller story. It's happened a million times before, and it'll happen again. So he'll miss a game or two, probably, and then he'll come back and we'll do it all over again. Otherwise, pretty predictable lot. Uh, Malik Monk got real hot, and when he does, they'll let him ride, and he helped power him back into this ballgame. That generally at the expense in this one of P.J. Washington, of all guys, because Miles Bridges was playing relatively well. They kept him in there. Reserves made a run. Not super worried about it. Not worried about Terry Rozier having a down game. Although, look, let's, you know... We, we need to expect that Rozier's field goal percent is going to trend down at some point this year. No, I'm not racing out to pick up Malik Monk. We're still waiting on Devontae Graham to come back anyway. And on the Phoenix side, in his all-star nearly snub, they announced the all-star reserves. Booker wasn't on it. And then right before this ball game, they announced that Booker was taking Anthony Davis's spot. He still had 33, but refrained from doing anything else. And who knows? That might have been the difference in the ball game if he had sort of gotten a bit more engaged in the other spots. I don't know how to explain this one other than Phoenix missed a few free throws and Charlotte made them, and that was sort of the ball game. Charlotte, I think, went 25 for 27, and the Suns missed something like 8 or 9 of their 27 free throws. That's your ball game. Everything else was almost exactly the same. Chris Paul had a good one, bounced back after a quiet performance, so that's good enough for me. DeAndre Ayton... I mean, this is this is who he is now. He's getting 8 to 12 shots a game instead of 15, and he's blocking one shot, and he's going to get you double-digit rebounds. He's like a top 70 center this year, and that is, like, if you can find a way to still win or get close to winning your league after spending a second-rounder on Aiden, more power to you. Same story if you spent your first-rounder on Devin Booker. Got to find another way around. Lakers got blitzed by the Jazz. We didn't see that one coming. Lakers are not good without Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder. Anthony Davis anchors the defense. Schroeder gives them that other look on offense. LeBron is tired. I don't care what anybody says. Lakers had like four or five overtime games in the span of two weeks. They're just gassed. 
and it's catching up with him. But we were still watching this team because lately the Marcus Gasol, Kyle Kuzma fill-in for Anthony Davis thing has actually kind of been a two-headed monster, and it's sort of continued. Gasol, eight points, two boards, two assists, a steal block, two three-pointers. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more in the rebounding department, but you knew it was going to be a rough go with Rudy Gobert on the other side. And then Kuzma, he's been rebounding and getting defensive stats as well. I've added Marcus Gasol in a couple of spots. I will probably stream him. That's sort of the level he's at in uh, unlimited games formats. I am reticent about dropping him into a games-capped format unless I can find the right matchup. So that's probably something you should keep an eye on. I told her I was going to interrupt the regularly scheduled programming to remind you guys to go to hoop-ball.com and check out the premium tab. I really want to push the Discord on you again. If you have a premium subscription already and you're not in our Discord, I will crawl through your earbuds and sock you in the brain. It is mandatory at this point. We have our tweet storms in there at the end of the night, immediate recaps. You're not waiting until the next morning to get that stuff, which includes the opportunity to ask questions in those threads. We have live chats every single night with a fantasy pro at around 7 or 7.30 Pacific time. That runs for an hour. Santino hosted one that went on forever tonight. I think he just took it for like an hour and a half, two hours instead. Uh, streaming charts, sit, start, add, drop, trades, all that stuff just in the fantasy division. We've got a DFS Discord. We've got a wagering Discord. This is where you can ping ideas off of not only the hoop ball pros, but also some of the other best hoop ball premium members. They might offer up some opinions on stuff as well. You can tag people. It makes it very easy. It's just a fancy chat room. But I know that one of the things that everybody was clamoring for was, hey, we want more access to the pros. We want to be able to get you guys when we have a, a, a question that's just burning. This is where it's at. The Discord. Doesn't matter what subscription you've got. The DFS pass for $1.99, you get the DFS Discord. The Fantasy Pass for $4.99, you actually get both the DFS and the full season Discord. Wager Pass, obviously, you get the Sports Betting Discord. And Hoopball 360, you get all of them. And we're talking about stuff all day, every day in there. The Wagering Discord has uh, NBA, NFL, college football, college basketball, baseball, hockey, MMA, soccer, golf, there's a chat going for everything. Even sports that aren't happening right now. I'm telling stories about hanging out with Ken Griffey in the in the baseball one. Doesn't have anything to do with the bet I'm about to place. Just chopping it up. So here's what you got to do. First, if you're already a member, contact me and I'll get you in there. There's no easy way because it, you know, this is like a bouncer with a list. We got to let you in. If you have any membership at HoopBall and you're not in our Discord, email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, subject line Discord, and I will jump on that and get a code to you so you can come on in. Again, regardless of subscription, we sort that out once you're already in there. And if you don't have a pass of any kind, go get one, hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab. If you're full season fantasy, get the fantasy pass. It's $4.99 a month. Be honest, the the tweet storms and Q&As that go with them, it's worth it by itself. What does that come out to? Less than 20 cents a day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll win more than that on your league at the end of the year. So come on down. Come on down. Get a premium sub. This is how we power the locomotive. The, you know, we only sell a couple of things at Hoop Ball. 
and this is most of them. And join us in the damn Discord. You'll be happy you did. Big shout out once again to ExpressVPN, our partners. This is a big week for us. We need you guys to go check them out. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. That's the website. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. You get 15 months of VPN protection for the price of 12. I talked about it on yesterday's show. Really excited about the fact that you can shield your location for streaming services, including sports streaming services. So shout out to our Grizz buddies uh, for letting us know. Yeah, like if you're in a team's media market, but you don't have access to their TV channel, you can get League Pass and you can use a VPN and watch your team. You're not blacked out anymore. You can watch, and know VPN has mentioned this to us, like Netflix offers different shows in different countries. You can VPN your way to Japan and watch shows on Netflix Japan that you can't get in the States. It's really cool. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball is the URL. Start there. There's no code. If you start at that web link, you get there's a, a button you can click there to get the 15 months for the price of 12. And we got to move a couple of those units this week. I need you guys. This is how we do it. Thursday look-ahead time, and then we'll wrap things up here on this show. Six-game slate. They've done a nice job this week of spreading the wealth across. No 13-gamers, just a whole bunch of six, seven, eight, and nine-game slates, and I love it. Mavs are in Philadelphia. We're watching Jalen Brunson. He's been on a serious heater for the Mavs lately. And, you know, the health of a couple of players. Semi-relevant. Orlando in Brooklyn. The steam train Brooklyn Nets. I just keep thinking they're going to run out of gas a little bit because they've been so shorthanded and the starters have had to play massive minutes. But they haven't yet. That's another team where you're mostly watching injury news. If uh, if Kevin Durant and Jeff Green are both still out, I think you can probably trot Bruce Brown out there. We we At this point, Jeff Green is considered questionable, so that'll be a last-minute decision you'll have to make. Orlando side, Michael Carter-Williams, see if he can make some points league noise. Otherwise, the uh, usual fare over there. Hopefully everything goes okay. Niko uh, Vucevic left their last ball game, kind of limped back, and then finished the game. So it seems like it wasn't anything, but you never know. Sacramento in New York, the Knicks on revenge here. They're playing well. The Kings aren't at the moment. Julius Randle is going to take Marvin Bagley and curl him up into a little ball and eat him. Kings are uh, certainly a lot better with Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes back in the lineup, but they're they're a bit of a mess lately. Nick's side, you're continuing to watch all those timeshares. We saw Derrick Rose take over. Oh, by the way, Alfred Payton listed as doubtful for this game, so presumably he's sitting it out. We don't know for sure yet. That'll make an interesting discussion. Does Derrick Rose slide into the starting lineup? Do they move quickly into the starting lineup? It will disrupt things a bit because they like Peyton's defense and quickly and Rose not really known for that. It's also possible that they throw in, you know, like an Alec Burks or someone to just kind of be a big guard to try to stay on De'Aaron Fox a little bit. I I don't think they will. Thibodeau will probably start Emmanuel quickly who gets, who will get roasted by Fox. But the thing I really want to see Forget the streaming element of not having Alfred Payton around. Derrick Rose is coming off his best game as a New York Knick, and one of his better games of the season. Can he keep that going, or was it a one-off? 
Nerlens Noel versus Rashawn Holmes should be kind of fun. Uh, Clippers are in Memphis. This is the front end of a rematch set. Clippers and Grizz play two times in a row. L.A. laying seven and a half. You guys know I have no feel at all for the Grizzlies. They're just playing all of their guys 25 minutes right now. So watch Justice Winslow. Watch DeAnthony Melton. Just watch them all. Feh. Watch Nick Batum on the Clippers side. He hasn't quite looked right since coming back. He's been you know, back for a couple of ball games now. And he's starting to get dropped in a few spots. You might end up wanting to scoop him up because he was playing really well even in a low usage role prior to going down. And the concern here is the sort of Wally Pip factor. Does he, not that he necessarily loses his starting gig, but does he lose his grip on whatever small amount of usage he had before? Does he get pushed out a bit by the fact that now Marcus Morris feels comfortable taking more shots per game and Lou Williams is taking more additional shots per game? And will we see uh, another nice game out of Ivica Zubats? My guess would be probably yeah, because you got JV on the other side. Washington finishing up a long road trip with a trip into altitude to take on the uh, infirmed Denver Nuggets, who are still without Jermichael Green, without Paul Millsap, and without Gary Harris. Gary Harris would be very useful on a guy like a Bradley Beal or a Russell Westbrook, who has actually been a little bit better lately. This one has high-scoring nonsense written all over it. I wonder if the Wizards have enough left in the tank for one more competitive ball game at the end of a trip with a ton of travel and they had the back-to-back LA games with an overtime mixed in there or if they're just going to be a little bit pooped. Wizards side, uh, Davis Bertans questionable with knee soreness. Mo Wagner coming off that big one, so one eye on him, but I don't trust him to keep it going. And then with Denver, you can probably stream Facundo Campazzo and Monte Morris again especially against the Wizards team where you're looking at, you know, first team to 120 wins the ball game. You might see good games from both of those guys. Pelicans on the back-to-back. They're in Milwaukee. Took more effort and time to beat the Pistons than I think they wanted to. Uh, Pelicans actually beat the Bucks a couple weeks back. Milwaukee was in a weird little death spiral briefly. We might get Drew Holiday back for this ball game. As of the time of recording this podcast, he's also questionable, but he's back with the team... And he didn't play on Tuesday mostly because of conditioning stuff. So he may be good to go for, you know, call it 25-ish minutes. We'll see. He would be a useful player to have. I wonder what the, the Bucks are going to do with uh, Zion. I don't know a lot of teams are going to do with Zion. I just feel like Milwaukee actually has a couple of guys that might give him pause if they wanted. I don't think they'll put Giannis on him. Maybe you just put someone huge on him and tell Zion he's got to take little jumpers. And he'll probably make a bunch of them. Hmm. Interesting little Thursday card, isn't it? But we are, unfortunately, very much in a free agent lull right now. You've got streamers, and that's about it. There aren't many guys that are kind of moving into long-term valuation positions. Got to tell you once at the end of the show or a show would not be complete. Please do drop a five-star review on the podcast. Tomorrow's episode, Friday, I will be giving you guys details on a rate and review contest where the winner can take home a $50 cash prize. But it will be associated with our buddies over at MyBookie. So just a heads up on that one. Uh, Yeah, more on that tomorrow. Which, as I say it, I'm asking you guys to rate and review today before I tell you about a rate and review contest tomorrow. If you rate and review the podcast today, it'll count 
retroactively. In fact, anybody that did it this week. But you're going to have to go back in there and write something. I'm telling you that already. I'm not, I can't, can't figure out who did what if there isn't a note attached to it. So that's coming up tomorrow. Again, hit me up, uh, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com or at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Uh, if you need to get into our Discord, I would love to see you there. And with that, uh, I think we can put a bow on this Thursday show. Tomorrow we'll get you the weekend review, ads, drops, streamers, buys, lo- uh, sells, all that good stuff, and a weekend preview edition. Almost through another week of this madness. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.